right, morning. How are we doing? Morning. morning. Good, good. If you have your Bibles, we are going to be in the book of Ephesians, starting in chapter 4, uh, verse 7. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Uh, man, last week, was it not good to be back together? To be able to gather again as the body and worship and proclaim and make much of Jesus was just, I mean, it was good just to have the body back together. And so I still long and look forward to the day when we all can be back. So, so please, those of you watching online and maybe don't feel comfortable, understand um, and that, that your safety is of great priority to us. And, and we understand that. We get that. That's okay. Do not feel pressured. Take your time and ease back in. We, we completely understand that and get that no rush there just when you feel comfortable um, but what we're going to do is we're going to continue to meet and as opportunity arises and we can get more involved and do a few more things we're going to do that and so uh, to recap a little bit from last week we're in this little mini series called recalculating and so last week we were in Acts 20 um, and what Acts 20 does is it just sets the trajectory of where we as the followers of Jesus need to go, where we're headed individually. And so we looked last week at a few things. One, Paul being constrained, which just simply means bound by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit under his direction, his authority, him living in Paul. Um, and that whole thought of being bound to the Holy Spirit, being uh, subjected to, to God and his rule and his reign and his sovereignty and, and, and being directed and him leading Paul. That needs to be a picture of us as believers, the same thing. Holy Spirit living in us, we need to be constrained. And um, when we're constrained, we can be in the will of God. We can live out who Jesus wants us to be and be about what he wants us to do. And so we looked at that for a few moments. And then we also talked for just a second about how the Apostle Paul was unsure fully of what would happen. He was unsure fully. And so I just said that there'd be a lot of times, probably most times in our life when following Jesus, we won't have the itinerary. We won't have what we're going to do tomorrow at 5 o'clock. We won't have what's going to happen next weekend. He doesn't work that way. He wants us to follow him step by step every moment of every day. And in that, he will lead and he will guide us into what's next. And then we looked at what Paul was sure of, which was imprisonment and affliction. I mean, now who's signing up for that, right? Yeah, me either. But, but that's what Paul did know for certain that was awaiting him anywhere that he was to go. Imprisonment. Being thrown in prison and affliction, difficult, hard times was coming his way. And then we landed in Acts 20, 24, where it says this, but I do not count my life of any value nor as precious to myself. He said, my life is worthless apart from Christ. There is no value in and of it by itself. He says, if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. So he was looking to the end. He wanted to complete that very thing that God has given him, that thing that God has for him. That's what the Apostle Paul was looking at. And then he says this, that, that mission, that course, that ministry was to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And so if we could sum up in one sentence last week, we, we would say this, it was better to lose our life than to waste it. And life is precious, is it not? The hours, the minutes, the days, the time, it's constantly ticking away. And what we see from the Apostle Paul last week here in Acts 20 is this, is that he didn't want to waste it. Not one second of his life did he want to waste. And, and so that was my thought and this whole thought of recalculating. What do we need to do to recalculate maybe the things that we do so that we can live in that form and that fashion? My life is of no value of me. I've got this ministry. I've got this direction that I'm heading. I've got this place that I'm going. And so what I want to do is I want to squeeze every ounce of a purpose, every ounce out of it. And so that's what we looked at last week with the Apostle Paul. 
And so just a little change of plans, I want to let you know. Um, instead of me just jumping into Ephesians uh, chapter 4 here and trying to just squeeze it all out in a 30-minute talk, what we're going to do is we're going to break it up. So we're going to look at Ephesians 4 this week, and then we're going to come back and we're going to revisit it next week. There's just too much, and I just don't want to rush over or wax over something. And so I just feel like God said, hey, Scott, just pump the brakes. I know you're excited to be back. Probably wouldn't be a good idea to preach an hour and a half to them two weeks in. They would never come back. Um, and so let's just, let's just do this and let's just walk through this thing in a timely fashion and just really look at what I want to say to you and to the people here at New Life. And so today what we're going to do is we're going to look at the why. We're going to look at the why and then next week we're going to look at the how. And all of this will help us to recalculate all the more and be more efficient in getting where God is leading us as a church. And so I, I guess kind of the thought would be this. Um, in, Vacation this year? Anybody? I know some, you dirty dogs, already been on one. Okay, we got vacations coming up. I know, yep, Beach Week, yep, some of you. Um, well, I guess it kind of got my wheels turning as I was thinking about vacation, as I was just thinking about how that happens. And if you're going to a place that you're not familiar with, like I can remember the first time uh, that we ventured to uh, Myrtle Beach. And it wasn't really when you had the apps and all that type of stuff where you could really just like punch it in and go. Like you still had to kind of like print out some directions and try to take the advice of friends if they're your friends um, and those type of things where to turn, what to look for. And so really, I, I guess what it did is I was looking and as I was thinking about it, let's pretend for a moment as Myrtle Beach is our destination. And you can check this out right here on the, on the screen as we've got this for you. Um, so what you do is you, and it's little, I'm sorry, but you, you type in and you've got Myrtle Beach is your destination. And so what's happened is, is it's given us three courses to get us there. And so some of those courses are quicker than the other. You've got a four hour and 48 minute, which is, I guess, a longer interstate ride. You've got a four hour, 38 minute, which is just a little bit shorter. And then you've got the four hour trip, right? I want to get there. You know what I'm saying? I don't want to be, love you, boy. I don't want to be stuck in a car with two kids for four hours and 48 minutes. Four hours and 38 minutes is still four hours and 37 minutes too long, right? In a car with little kids. So I'm going to pick the four-hour route. Well, well, then I got a little more thinking, okay, well, what if, what if, what if there's something else? And so check, check out the next one. So this is completely off the beaten path, right? These are even longer. Uh, well, okay, well, there's a four-hour, two-minute one there, but four-hour and 40-minute. And then you can take, I don't know if you're aware of this, but you can, I've heard, I've never been brave enough to do it nor will I probably ever be brave enough, but I hear Highway 9 runs into that beautiful Atlantic Ocean that we try to get to every summer. You know what I'm saying? The, the Highway 9 will take you there, but I hear you hit every stoplight from Spartanburg to Myrtle Beach, and you go through every little town that you can ever imagine going from here to there. But what's the thing about all of these routes that we could take? It, it still gets us to the same place, right? Our destination is Myrtle Beach. And regardless of which one and how crazy and how brave you are in that moment of deciding how to get there, you're eventually, hopefully, God willing, going to land at that destination, right? And so why would, why would we not take the Highway 9 one this year? Let's all vow to take Highway 9 to Myrtle Beach this year. Are you with me? Yeah, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Me either. And so I guess my question that God just put on my heart or pressed upon my heart is, well, then why would we as the church not do the same thing? Why would we as the church not pray about and seek and look from God's word and just really home in on, on who God is and what he wants to accomplish in his body, in his people? And why would we not do the same thing to try to be as effective and as efficient of getting to where we need to be? 
And, and I know, I know that sometimes the journey is half of it and it's as fun as it can be sometimes. But what if we could be more effective, we could be more efficient? We're going to accomplish and do and be and land at the same place. But what if we could just get there a little bit quicker? And then when we get there a little bit quicker, we can enjoy and be and do a little bit more and bring even more people on a little bit quicker. And so I guess that's kind of the whole thought behind what we're going to look at this morning. That's the whole thought and heartbeat behind this whole reality of recalculating. And the thing is, like, when you punch this into your GPS and you're on that route or you're on that trip and you make a wrong turn and it recalculates, what's it doing? It's trying to get you back on a path and a route that will help you get to where you need to be all the quicker. Back to that destination. And so that's my prayer and that's my hope through this little mini-series as we look, as there's been so many changes in our world. And, and even if you look around this place, there's been so many things that have uh, look a little bit different. There's been time changes. There's been stuff that's happened and took place over the last three months that's going to help us, I believe, get to that place a little quicker. So I'm going to ask you this morning if you'd join me as we pray, and then we'll jump into Ephesians chapter 4. So Father, again, we need you. Jesus, I acknowledge, God, that if I just stand up here on my best day and I say what I want to say, it falls woefully short. And, and it builds up and it adds absolutely nothing to your name and to your greatness. And so, Father God, I pray this morning, Lord, that you would direct me with your Holy Spirit. God, that you would speak the words. And God, that you would still my mouth in the areas that you don't want to say or accomplish. And God, you would press where you see fit. And, and Father, for my brothers and sisters in this room, God, I pray that, that the Holy Spirit would open up the ears of their heart to hear what you have to say. God, I pray that you would open up my heart to hear what you have to say. God, this week in your word, studying and looking and preparing, God, help me not miss what you have for us. God, not them. It's not a them and me, but it's an us. God, we want to know you deeper. We want to walk with you closer. And Jesus, we need you. Father, I pray you speak, God, in a way this morning that we can hear and understand and follow in obedience. Jesus, this is all for your glory. It's your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 7, this is what it says. It says, But grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. So what Paul is saying here is that Christ gives each believer a varied grace. And so you are uniquely graced with Christ's gift. He gives you that. If you are part of the body, if you've come to Jesus Christ uh, or come to God through Jesus Christ and faith in him, that you have received that uh, gift of grace. And so this means that you are not an accident in the body of Christ. <sighs> Doesn't that feel good? I mean, in a world of chaos and craziness, there, uh, of, of accidents and happenstances and all this stuff that's going on, uh, Paul says is this, is that, that you and I are not accidents. That there's no such thing as an accident in the, with the sovereignty of God, that he is well aware and that he is in full control and he knows all things. But you've been given that gift of grace according to the measure of Christ. That's been given to you so there's no accidents in the body. So when you received that grace, it was because Christ gave it in a measure suited to his good purposes for the body. For his good purposes for the body. So God has wired you the way you are for a specific purpose. And, and part of that purpose is to make sure that the body is well suited for all that he calls her to do. For all that he calls her to do. I mean, think about that for a moment. I mean, does that not take like church membership up to the next level? 
Does that not take what church I go to or, or where I live or, or what God's purpose and calling for me in my life is? Does that not amp it up a little bit that there's not just a whimsical decision that I need to make, but it's something that's weighty and heavy? And the reality is this, is that God has gifted you and suited you well for, for, for the building up of his body. As we're going to see here in a moment, for, for the direction and leading of, of light in a dark world, for the direction and leading of his body, his people, his saints. And so what I've learned in my ministry and just in my life in general is this, is that man, there are people in this room that are gifted in certain things that I am horrific at, that I am just not good at. And so what I've learned is this, is I'm going to lean in on that, that I'm going to default to, that I'm going to hand over responsibility, that I'm going to press into and try to learn and try to grow in those areas and figure out and, and hear from their advice, their experience, their giftings in those certain areas. And so what this does is it elevates all the more your calling in the church. Your calling as a follower of Jesus. And so then Paul's going to go on. He's going to talk about this authority of Christ and, and what right he has to expect this out of his body. Look in verse 8. He says, Therefore it says, When he ascended on high, he led a host of captives, and he gave gifts to men. Verse 9, In saying as he ascended, what does it mean? But that he also descended into the lower regions of the earth. He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. I'm not going to dissect that and tear that apart. I'm just going to look at what, what Paul's trying to accomplish here and let us know is that by what authority Jesus has to press upon the Apostle Paul's heart by way of the Holy Spirit to, to pin these things to the believers there at Ephesus. And so what we're going to see coming up in verse 11 that it's very different, that it's different from verse 7. See, there, the point was that every believer is gifted by Christ with a varied grace. But here the point is going to shift more to the church, that the church is gifted by Christ with people in varied offices. Look at what he says in verse 11. He says this, and he gave the apostles. So you have the 12 disciples who had seen the risen Christ. You have the apostle Paul who also encountered the resurrected Jesus on the Damascus road, which gives the uh, qualifications of being an apostle. And so these apostles were given three basic responsibilities. One, they're to lay the foundation of the church. Two, they're to receive and declare and write God's word. So they, 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 they write letters. They, they do different things. It's getting God's word as the Holy Spirit presses upon them to, to pin letters to believers in other places, churches in other places. And then the third thing, that the responsibility that they have is to give confirmation of God's word through signs, wonders, and miracles as we see that lived out in the book of Acts, as we see that take place. And so the apostle is used in a more general way of the outer men here in the early church, such as uh, uh, Barnabas and Timothy, and there's others, and they're called more the apostles of the church, 2 Corinthians teaches, rather than apostles of Jesus. And so today the term primarily refers to people sent with a divine mission or task. And so they also served as God's spokesperson to, to bring God's word out, to, to give understanding to the church of who God is and what he has said. And then the next position we see is this is the prophets. And so this ordinarily refers that they have the gift of, um, of prophecy, but, but here's not that. That's not the case. These are specially commissioned men in the early church. And so they spoke practically. They spoke directly. They give revelation from what God has said. And they expounded on that revelation that was already given. So their message had to confirm with the teaching of the apostles. It had to line up with what the apostles had said. The foundation that they were laying, all of those things fit good and nice and neat together. And then he goes on and he says this position, then evangelists. 
And evangelists are just those who proclaim the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ to unbelievers. That's who an evangelist is. Evangelist is the one that goes out and proclaims and tells of the gospel of Jesus Christ. For me, uh, I just feel like that's one of the things that God's just hardwired me for. And so for me, back whenever I had the opportunity to meet the, the gentleman that was going to be my mentor, he was an evangelist. So he traveled around to different churches. He traveled around to different areas. And what did he do? He, he would come in and he would just preach the gospel. He would proclaim the gospel. He would tell of the good news of Jesus Christ and the great need of, of the cross and what the cross stands for and what the cross means. And, and that's what the, the evangelist does. Is he goes out and he shares and he proclaims the gospel. And so for whatever reason, in that moment, my heart and his just kind of connected as I feel God just wired me that way. I mean, I want to tell people about Jesus. I want to let them know of the good news of the gospel, of what Christ has done, how he's uh, set the captives free, how he's made a, made a right, good way to, to be a part of his body and his kingdom. And so what God has done is he set that up in his church. And then he gets to this position. You've got the shepherds and teachers. And it just refers to those who care for or protect the church. The two words when they're together here just defines maybe the teaching shepherd is how you could view it. The teaching shepherd, what does he do? He provides oversight. He provides comfort, guidance for the, the church's sheep. That's what he does. And so they instruct and they help apply God's word to life and to the church. They give vision. They direct all of those type of things. And so all of these positions here in the early church, they were established by the head of the churches who Jesus well, for to accomplish what Paul's going to say here in this next verse, to do this, to equip. All of those positions inside the church, the early church was established to do this, to accomplish what Paul says here is to equip. To equip, and equip is, is a word that just means fixing something that's broken. Fixing something that's broken. Let me, let me give you a few examples. In Matthew 4, 21, uh, when the nets are torn, that's the example that's given. That's the word that's, that's given there. They need to equip the nets. They need to mend the nets. They need to fix the nets. Or it's to supply something that is lacking, as in 1 Thessalonians 3, 10, where it says, we desire to supply or equip what is lacking in your faith. It's to build up. It's to bring. It's to, it's to, to set forth on a right path to help, to fix and so what are those positions there to equip what? He says next, the saints. And so who are the saints? The saints are the believers. In the New Testament, all believers are looked at as saints set apart for God's glory, for God's honor, to make him known. So those positions in the early church, those, those positions that are held there are for what? For equipping the saints, mending and putting together and fixing the saints. So verses 11, 12 here is that Christ not only gives varied graces to each believer in the church, but he also gives the leaders to the church whose job is to repair what's been broken, to repair what's been fractured, to supply what's lacking in a believer's life. That's how God has set this up. And so how big and how important is that for the health and the well-being of the church? I mean, think about it for a moment, church, that each of you is personally gifted by Christ with a varied grace, but not so perfectly that you are not in need of fixing. That we're in need of fixing. Let's, let's just let's play for a moment, shall we? Who listened to Christian radio this week? Okay, I'm, this is not like, I, I listen to Christian radio too. This is not like, I'm not trying to set you up and take, oh, that's what, no, 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 I, I do too. All right, um, who read a book outside of the Bible or read a quote outside that's not Scripture or a thought of someone else this week? All right, good. And I don't know if you realize this, but what you put in 
affects and changes and uh, dictates certain things and responses. Any, anybody watch the news this week? Oh, I, I'm, I'm not going to go there this week. We're going to go there in a few weeks, but not, not this week. Yeah, but doesn't that stir within you certain things? Doesn't that fire you up or kind of calm you down or do certain things in you and, and cause you to look at certain things, whether it's a quote, whether it's Christian radio, whether it's a song? Because like, you know, all songs aren't just great, good, theologically sound and astute songs, right? Like you get that. And you're like, yes, God, get that modern Christian music. Let's go. You know that not all hymns are great, sound, and theologically astute hymns either, Right? Uh, like, like we need to really look at and we need to really chew on and we really need to see what are we singing, what are we saying, what are we doing, what's been put out there. We need to look at it through the lenses of the gospel. That's what we need to do. So we're in need of fixing. I'm in need of fixing. You're in need of fixing. We're in need of being mended and put back together because there's certain things that draw us away. There's certain things that affect us and stir certain responses in us. And what, what God has set up for his church here in the early church, and I even believe it's prevalent and needed for today, is, this, is that, that people need to be poured into by pastors and teachers and evangelists. They need that. We need fixing. We need refocused. Because we're still in the flesh and we're still battling these fleshly, fleshly desires. We're still battling through that. We need to be set back on the straight path. And so what we see here is that the last few verses prove that we are vitally needed by the church as well as proves that the church is vitally needed by you. It's a two-way street that God uses us for His glory, for His honor, that He allows us to be a part of who he is. And then verse 12 goes on to say that the leaders equip the saints for a specific purpose. Look, so to equip the saints for the working of ministry. For the working of ministry. So the fixing and the supplying is meant to make the saints into servants or ministers. That's the purpose in what we do here. That's the purpose in the large group gathering. That's the purpose in the small group gathering. That's the purpose in the events that we have. That's the purpose in the Operation Christmas Child. That's the purpose in a men's ministry. That's the purpose in a women's ministry. That's the purpose of anything that we do in the local school systems. That's the purpose of everything that we do is around this thought of equipping the saints for the work of ministry. So it's meant to make the saints into servants or into ministers. See, ministry is just a spiritual service that's required of every believer. I believe we could look at Scripture and we could argue all day long that, 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 that salvation is not the end of it. That, that salvation is just the very beginning of what, of what Christ has done and what He's calling us to as followers of His. That, that each one of us has a specific ministry that God's calling us to, that He's wanting us to be a part of, to give our life away. And I believe that it happens in two areas. One is in the church. One is in the church locally, that, that we need to minister to one another in the church, the local body here to the people in this room. Because what I've learned is there's certain people in this room that have been through certain things that I've never been through. And just because I'm the lead shepherd of the flock doesn't mean that I've been through every single thing that there's ever been and that I can uh, direct in a right way because I've never been through that. I don't know how to respond to that. I don't know what to do there. But, but let me point you in the direction of this dear soul that has. 
and how they could love on you, how they could walk with you, how they could encourage, how they could... And there's certain things for me as a believer that I can do. I can pray for, I can be committed to, I can care for. But man, who's somebody who has felt that and walked through that and has responded in a right, good way of the gospel? Man, how you can be so beneficial to the body. So I believe that we have ministries in the local, tr- in the, in the local church individually here inside the church. Like, like, like let's do this. Like, like, who just loves children's ministry? Yeah, like, like who just loves kids? and, and loves, what, what about youth ministry? Absolutely. What, what about missions? Man, man, who would just say, man, I'm just, I just, I just want to serve anywhere in any capacity. Just, I just want to be a part. I just want to be used. Absolutely. Because you're gifted in that. Like, like what I've learned about me is this, is that I can do children's ministry for about, about two weeks, and then after that it just starts to wear on me. Like, like, Goofy Scott can come out, and after about two weeks of, like, Goofy, like, childlike Scott, after that, I start to wear down. And here, I've got two kids expecting a third. I love kids. I'm just not wired that way, gifted that way for the long haul of it. But, man, there are people in this room right now who says, man, I could serve in children's ministry all day, every day, and it just vitalizes me. It, it just brings life in me. It's because God has gifted you. God has put that grace upon you. God has, has, has given you that task, that ministry, that, that course to be on. And there's tons of other ministries that's the same way. So it's inside the church. And then I believe that there's ministries and things that we need to be a part of that God has gifted us for outside of the church. Like we've got to get outside of our walls. Like I had a, I had a conversation with a guy this week that... I'm just in, in talking to him, was, was just asking him and then uh, how he was doing and things like that. And I didn't know that the guy other than just for the few minutes that I had to talk to him. And in talking to him, found out what his, uh, he does for a living. And um, he's kind of been out of work for the last few weeks because of his, his trade. And then um, as I'm talking to him and stuff like that, I'm, I always go this route because this route leads me to the next route. I think this is the evangelist in me. So I go, so, hey man, and you go to church anywhere? And his answer was, well, at home... I said, okay, the church of the home. Never heard of that one. And he kind of laughed, and I kind of laughed back. I said, no, man, but, but really, you, you don't go to church anymore? He's like, well, my job, now, now I, I love Jesus. Who doesn't, right? I, I love Jesus, but I'm just around people all the time, and I'm just, it just wears me out, and I just kind of need, I, I just use Sundays for just, for just me and Jesus time. And, and I thought of that, and as I kind of got to talk to the guy a little bit more throughout the day, I was just like, man, Man, how you could be used in the body of Christ if you'd get over you. And I just think about us here in this place. Man, how I could be used, how you could be used in the body of Christ outside of the church if we would just get over us. If we would get over how precious my time is. If we'd get over how precious our comfort is. If we would get over how precious we think the cost is. If we would get out of our way and we would be just controlled by the Holy Spirit and we would allow the Spirit of God to press upon us and to lead us and to move us where we could serve for His glory and for His honor in this world. Because I don't know how aware you are, but this world desperately, desperately needs the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if, imagine what it would be like tomorrow if you go to your work, not as an employee to try to make money, but as a, as a gospel light bearer in your uh, uh, organization or in your business or at your job. Imagine what it would be like if tomorrow you take the light into the darkness, what God could do. Not to make a dollar, not to get ahead, not to advance. 
We're meant to look at your life as a ministry to equip the saints for the work of ministry. There it is. Every believer has been given and entrusted a ministry. Every single one of us, if you bear the name of Christ, if you've come to God through faith in Jesus Christ, you have got a ministry that God is calling you to, that God wants you to be a part of in the church, outside of the church. And so as I thought about this conversation, man, I cannot count how many times I've had this conversation. I cannot count how many times. And what I would lovingly challenge people at that place, if that's you here this morning and you feel that way, man, you do not know how bad you're hurting yourself and how bad you're hurting the local body. Man, how God could use you in a mighty way to reach this world for His glory. And so isn't it crazy when we read, when we look at this, when we start to kind of break down how Paul's evaluation of the church is that there needs to be so much work in her? Isn't that not crazy how it reads that way? I mean, let that sink in for a second. That, that as Paul says this, this equipping the saints is this thought of that these believers need to be fixed. They need to be mended. They need to be put back together in some areas. They need to be set on the straight and right and good and narrow path again. I mean, think about that for a second. So I don't know what your week looked like this week. I don't know how bad you blew it. I don't know how far off course you got. But the great news is this, is that you're here this morning and God wants to bring you back. He wants to equip you all the more for the work of ministry that he's got for you to reach this world, to make his glory and his, his, his name known. And so as I read this and as I look at this, man, that should encourage us. And we haven't arrived yet. We haven't got there yet. God's not through. And the way that I know that is because we're sitting in this room breathing. <gasps> oxygen in, oxygen out. Oxygen in, oxygen out. The heart is pulsating blood through our veins. God's not done with us yet. You've got a ministry. You've got a purpose. And we all have this need to be put back together, to be set up and fixed. Those things in us that is broken. And so when you look at it through these lenses, it'll help you to keep from getting discouraged when you realize how imperfect the church is. And when, when I say church, I mean us. Not the building. Man, this building's fine. Keeps the rain out. Keeps the cool air in. Hot air in if we need it. Uh, the lights come on. I mean, the, the building's quite phenomenal if you ask me. But she does a great job. I, I flip that light on and guess what? It comes on every time. Most every time if I haven't done something else that I shouldn't have in another area. But the building accomplishes what it's supposed to accomplish. The problem is, is the men and women sitting in this room. This guy right here being the chiefest of them all. Am I submitted? Am I listening? Is there areas in my life where I need to be equipped, where I need to be fixed? The church. And so it starts with people becoming believers and receiving grace according to that measure of Christ's gift, verse 7 says. And then the saints need to learn from their leaders who equip them for ministry. Look as he says, for the building up of the body. So we all need the ministry of saints. Why? To build us up. As well as the leader saints to help fix us and supply us. That's, what, that's what's needed to minister to the other saints. And then look at what he says in verse 13. Until we, who's we? We the saints. Until, until we all. How many? How many church? How many church? That's right. Until we all, all who, all saints, all believers attain what? The unity of the faith. So it doesn't stop until we're all uni have the unity of the faith, unified in the faith, together in the faith. Well, what in the world does that mean? What in the world does that look like? 
It's just oneness and harmony among believers that is built on the very foundation of sound doctrine. On the very foundation of sound doctrine. And so doctrine is instruction as it applies to the lifestyle application. Doctrine is the teaching imparted by an authoritative source, which is the Bible. Doctrine is the entire body of essential theological truths found in the scriptures. Until we're all unified in what God's word says. Until we're all running the race in the direction that God leads us. Until we've been recalculated to the point of where we're going to get to the destination that God has for us. The way that he wants us to. The quickest way that he wants us to get there. And so doctrine is just what we believe about the Bible and what we believe about God. It actually matters. And we need to be unified as the body in that. We need to be together. And it had better shape everything about us. Doctrine is a good thing for the church. It's not a boring, oh, wear me out type thing, but it's, it's a right understanding and knowledge and learning of what the Scripture says in everything. Everything. So where we're at in our world. The virus comes along. How do we respond to that? And then the murder of a human being comes along. And how do we respond to that? And, and I don't know about you, but me this week, man, I've had just a flood of emotion all week this week as I've read and as I've looked. And I have gotten ticked off at the church and how she's responded or how she hasn't responded or, or uh, just a flood of emotion. And I've got to be careful because I, I, I don't know about you, but like I'm backwoods, West Virginia. And this, this boy will go red in a moment. I will go redneck crazy in a moment. And I've got to be careful and make sure all of me is submitted to the directioning of God and what his word and what his scriptures would teach. Not what Scott would teach. Not what Scott would think. And not the way that Scott would respond. Not what Scott would do. Whether it's, he thinks it's righteous and good or whether it's, it's just the flesh rising up again. And that's what we need, church. We need to know how to respond in a moment like this. We need to know how to, to look through the gospel lenses and allow our worldview to be dictated by the gospel of Jesus Christ because he has plenty of things to say about where our world's at. Plenty of things. And I need to make sure that my life, my actions, my everything, and hear me, those places that don't, because if I'm willing to bet every one of us in this room has those areas in our life where they don't match up to what God says, that we need to, to come under the authority of the teaching of the scriptures. And we need to ask God to break our heart over the things that breaks God's heart. And so doctrine is a good thing. And we need unity in that, to unify the faith. And then he goes on and says this, and he says, and of the knowledge of the Son of God. So building up of the body of Christ until we all attain the unity of faith, we have a sound good doctrine in who Christ is in the scriptures, and we have a sound good doctrine of the knowledge of the Son of God. And so this is not referring to salvation, but a deeper understanding of the knowledge of who Jesus Christ is. And so this happens through prayer, this happens through Bible study, this happens through uh, obedience to his scriptures. It happens with people pressing into us and challenging us and pressing us on. Man, the sermons that I've got to listen to this week in regards to where we're at as a culture, man, they have been encouraging and they have kicked my tail. Man, I, I, I've, I need the Word of God poured into me. I need those areas that are Scott-led and Scott-dictated to be vanquished and done away with. 
I need Jesus just as much as anybody else does. And I'm not just talking about on a Sunday morning to preach. I'm talking about an every moment of every day occurrence is what I need. So, so for the building up the body until we all attain to the unity of faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God, look, into what? To mature manhood. So true faith in Christ is one that needs to be pressing toward what? Maturity. Pressing toward Maturity. Please hear me, in this moment, I'm by no means saying that we won't struggle from time to time, that we won't have ups and downs, that we won't miss the mark. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying, the illustration that I would give you is this, is I've got an eight-year-old boy, and if my eight-year-old boy is still sucking on a passy and drinking his meals out of a bottle, we've got a major problem. And my fear is, is that's exactly what's happened in the church is that we have men and women who walk through the doors week in and week out. Yeah, I know Jesus, I believe in him, but we've never progressed and matured past that. And so what we have is, is in the church is we have adults sucking on passies, drinking bottles as it pertains to the maturity in Christ. We've never grown up past that. We've never grown up past that. We've never matured and taken the next step of, of maturity and faith. See, we don't set stagnant after we come to faith. That's just the start, not the end. We press into and we allow the Holy Spirit and we allow the saints to equip us and to press us all the more into maturity. He, says, he goes on, he says this, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so the picture that Paul's painting here is a, a picture that is of Jesus as a mature man, full grown in stature. Full grown. And then he compares to the church as the body to this full-grown man of Jesus. See, only the body, the church, is still in the process of being built up. That is, is always our measuring mark, is Jesus Christ. And so we're to minister to each other with a view not just of, of helping each other mature, but with the view of the whole body becoming mature like Jesus. That's the point of this, the whole body to grow to maturity, to grow up in our faith, to be mature. How do we respond in certain situations? Me as a 36-year-old man better respond different than my four-year-old boy. I better be more mature than a four-year-old. And whenever I don't act more mature in Christ as, as a 36-year-old man compared to my four-year-old son, then what do I do? I ask God to break my heart over that ridiculous way I acted. I ask him to show me and to point out those areas. And for heaven's sakes, God, let people love me enough to call me on it, to care for me enough. I mean, has there not been times where you and I have just sat in a room and we just had to hash out things? In fact, Scott, I just got some stuff I need to tell you. Scott, I love you enough and I care for you enough that I, just, I, need, I need to ask these questions. And have we not done that? And I don't take offense to it. I don't think you're crazy. I'm like, who does this kid think he is? No, I need people in my life that are going to love me and call me in those areas if I act immature. And that's what we're to do. That's how we're to be. We need to mature. And what I have found out raising boys, and I am just in the early stages of an eight-year-old and a four-year-old and a soon-to-be newborn, is that this, is that it takes plenty of time to mature. My four-year-old is not going to act like a 25-year-old. But my eight-year-old better not be acting like a four-year-old. And so I'm going to step in and I'm going to do and I'm going to lead and I'm going to be all that I need to be in their life to help them get there. And what I've learned is for the body, we need the same thing. 
So to close this morning, the aim of our ministry, the aim of your ministry with your grace and with your gifts is to become a body of Christ that is unified in the faith, that's together in the faith, that's unified in knowledge, that's growing more and more and more into the kind of unified person that Christ is. That's what we're striving for. That's our aim. That's our goal. And so ministry is not just that individuals are built up, but that the body takes on the personality of Christ. For us to become Christ in our context, in our settings. So may God use us this week to be light in a dark world as the band comes back up. May he use us this week in our setting, in our context, to be Jesus in this world. And our world desperately needs to see what Christ is like, what the body is like. How we're to respond in certain times, in certain ways, in certain things. And so as they come, my question is this, what are we supposed to be doing here at New Life? To accomplish this? How, how are we supposed to get to that point? What is it to be the church or to do church? What does that mean? And so as I've already rolled out a little bit last week, we're just going to roll out a little bit more. In the fall, we're going to bring discipleship development back. In the fall, we're going to roll that out like Tyler this morning. And over the next 13 weeks, is going to spend time walking with and training some and overseeing that process. And so it's going to be a process that's going to take some time as we roll out, as we recalculate some things and roll out discipleship development back out in September. And so what we're going to do is we're just looking at how we can be more effective, how we can be more intentional, what we need to do to make discipleship development better so that we can, so that we can really accomplish all that God would set us out to accomplish and do and be. And so that's the very heart behind this change to equip. And so in the fall, September is what we're looking at rolling out. From 9 to 9.50, we'll have discipleship development. We have discipleship development where, where people can pour into their people, where we can learn and we can grow together. And then Wednesday nights in the fall, starting back around September, we're going to revamp our Wednesday nights so we can be more intentional with the ministry and, and reaching this community in our world. So what we're going to do, what we're praying about and looking at is just is, is moving away from that traditional Bible study night. And so we're going to launch some midweek Bible studies that will be online and some things that you can watch and some things that you can see and interact with. But man, we, we want to be serious about missions. And how cool would it be on a Wednesday night if we gather in this place just to go out into our community and love on people? I mean, how cool would it be that if we just gather here on a Wednesday night just so that we can go over here in this, this subdivision right here? Like, I don't remember if, if, if you were here that time whenever we started uh, to prayer walk that community and we asked God to help us love on this community and have this community as our own. Anybody live over there? Then we need to do better. We need to do better in reaching our community. We need to go after. So how cool would it be if we gather here just to go over there and cook hot dogs for everybody? And just to get to know everybody and just throw up some bounce houses so kids can play and run and jump and we can get to know that community. Or how cool would it be to go over here to this, this neighborhood and do the same thing? And we just go over and we just cook hot dogs for everybody and we say, hey, meet here at this place and we're going to have bounce houses and we're going to have snow cones. Have you guys noticed across the street what's happening? <laughs> yeah, like everything else in Bowling Springs, right? There's a plot of land, let's put people on it. To which we say, hallelujah, thank you. And so what are we going to do? Whenever there's a road cut over there, we're going to prayer walk that place. We're going to do the same thing that we're going to do over here. We're going to ask God to give us that land. I'm not saying that we want to take it over. What I'm saying is that we want to take the gospel to it. And we want to reach those people. And we want to love on those people. And we want, to, we want to be, church, if we would just get 10% of the people in these communities around us, have to have five services next Sunday. 
And so we have got a great calling and expectation. So we're going to align ourselves in everything that we do to be able to reach that and to do that. So I'm going to ask you to pray and to seek God. Ask Him to show you and reveal to you where, where you are in your maturity, where you are in your growing. Will you, will you allow Him to just work on your heart and get you to the place where you can come under the leadership of the local church so that you may be repaired to a place where you can minister and help the body be unified? And when we do that, oh, church, how we can respond and be in our community and our world. Father, help us this morning in this place. God, allow your gospel, allow your word to get a hold of our heart, capture us. God, do a work in us, I beg of you. God, equip us in this time and this place. Repair those areas of our heart that has been destroyed this week, that have drifted from your truth, your doctrine, your theology of who you are, who your son is. Oh, God, help us Help us be repaired and mended by the proclamation of your word. God, do a work in this place for your glory and for your honor so that we can go out and be all that you've called us to be. So then we pray. Amen. You guys stand. Eric's going to lead us in a song. If you want to come pray, if you need to talk to somebody, anything that you need to do in this moment to respond, you be obedient to Jesus.